Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengard, founder of Wengard Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. Again, if you've been impacted by these messages and you'd like to partner with us, please text the word GIVE to 844-333-7227. Also, if you'd like to sow financial seed into our new organization called Flights for Hope, please go to flightsforhope.org. So last time, I talked about refusing fear and how the only way that we can truly do that is to receive the love of God and then give that love to others because perfect love casts out fear. Now, I've been vaguely mentioning some current events here because these principles are so applicable now in this time in history. But I want you to understand something, though. Nothing has changed in the kingdom of God. And I'm just taking this straight out of the word of God. Jesus is as relative today as he ever was to his disciples. So I want to ask you a question. Have you ever heard of people lately being described as sheeple? I'll kind of do that in quotations, sheeple. Now, this is meant to be a derogatory term toward the masses of people kind of blindly following instructions from those in power who are trying to destroy their lives and the country that they live in. Now, nobody wants to be in this group, especially when it's used like that. But I've been thinking about the Good Shepherd and how wonderful it is to know him. And sheeple doesn't mean the same thing to me when I, when I think of it in that way. We need to make sure that we know who it is that we are following and we get used to taking instructions from him. I've titled the message today, the Good Shepherd. So there are many times in scripture where people are described as or compared to sheep. Even Jesus was described as a sheep in Isaiah 53 verse 7. It says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Now, the decisions and results of this life are not automatic. Even Jesus had a choice to make when it came to following the direction of his Father in heaven. Each of us have choices to make. Every day we have a choice to make. Will we follow the instructions of our Father in heaven? In Luke 22, verses 41 and 42, it says that um, Jesus knelt down and prayed, and, and he said, Father, if it is your will take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus had a choice to make. Every time that we face a decision with a choice, we can listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. He will lead us in the right direction. He has been there and he knows that when we make a choice, there are consequences one way or another. This is why the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus was so complete, because he had to choose and he said, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. But I will submit to you. If it is your will, I will submit and I will go through with this. So in John uh, 10, verses 27 through 30, Jesus describes himself. I just want you to hear this. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So he is making a declaration here. And he's saying, if you are my sheep, I will keep you safe. So a good shepherd is constantly looking out for the well-being of his sheep. He is not searching for pits for them to fall into to teach them a lesson. He's not even really expecting them to automatically know where they should go. He, he knows that they will make mistakes. They will fall into pits. They will get themselves into trouble. But let's go to verse, uh, verses 7 through 11 of John 10 here. And just here, just up a little bit in the same chapter, listen how Jesus again talks about himself. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So listen to that declaration. He is making a declaration that he's saying, I will guard you, I will guide you, I am the shepherd, I am the door, I am the one that brings life and goodness. All who came before were thieves and robbers, they, they came to bring death. So I was talking with a friend of mine the other week about the negative circumstances kind of happening in his own life, and, and he said that, Maybe it's just part of God's plan that he should learn by suffering. He said that suffering was helping him to become more like Jesus. I told him that he may find himself in these situations, but the good shepherd is trying to lead him out of them instead of leading him into these problems. See, the good shepherd is exactly that. He's good and he's a shepherd. The answer is right there in verse 11 where it says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, Jesus chose the suffering of the cross so that we can receive and experience all of the benefits of the new covenant now in this life. Uh, if, if we choose to believe that God wants negative things to happen to us in, in order to teach us a lesson, then we're really saying that the suffering of Jesus on the cross was not enough. Do you understand that? It, it was God's will that Jesus pay the price so that we don't have to pay that same price. See, when Jesus was making the decision, he was saying, is there any other way that this price can be paid? And yet he was the only perfect human. But when the price was paid by Jesus, it was paid once and for all. Everywhere that we look in the word of God, we find the blessing of God being given to people freely. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was full and complete. Right before he died, he said, It is finished. And that meant finished for all of the rest of time. Identifying with the suffering of Jesus means that we believe his suffering to be enough for our sin, for, for all effects of sin. Okay, So Jesus paid for our healing as well. 
Jesus paid for our prosperity. He paid so that all effects of sin would be canceled and we could go back to receiving his goodness freely without being the one on the cross. See, he was on the cross for us and this accomplished it for us. Now I want you to look at how God's will is described in Psalm 112. And I just want to read uh, the whole psalm. It's not that long. And uh, this describes the heart of God. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. Now listen to this. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid. Until he sees his desire upon his enemies, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Now that's the heart of God. Now David was able to capture this and he was able to realize that if, if he can describe the relationship that he had with the good shepherd, the good shepherd leads him into this type of situation. Now, Daniel and his three Hebrew friends in Babylon walked confidently in the blessing of God in the middle of a pagan and wicked culture. So as we see the things happening around us, we, we realize that we are being called to walk confidently in the blessing of God in the middle of a pagan and wicked culture. Every time that, that these guys were tempted to justify themselves or to respond as everyone else was responding, they chose to follow the voice of God. Now, what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do when they were given an order by the king to bow down and worship the statue of his image? You need to read all of Daniel 3 for yourself, but let me be completely clear with you first. These three Hebrew boys living in a pagan land had a confident expectation that they were guaranteed deliverance from the fiery furnace. Now, I want to read verses 17 uh, through, <clears throat> sorry, 13 through 18, and I just want you to hear how this is described, and then I'll talk about it here. Verse 13, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, 
we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, uh, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, I was reading through this, and I, I saw the phrase, if that is the case. And I was trying to understand where that, why did they say that? If that is the case. And then I went back up in the verses above where it says, you will be thrown into a burning fiery furnace. And I realized the subject has changed. The subject is not what I've always been told that it was. See, once again, we can find an example where religion has taught that a God who changes his mind may or may not deliver them. However, if we look closely, we can find that verse 18 is not questioning whether or not God will deliver them. I'm going to put it in my own words, just for understanding. The king said, listen, guys, I'll give you a second chance. Now, if you're ready to bow down, we'll play the, mu the music again. And the three Hebrew boys said, O king, we are giving you a second chance. We do not need to guard our words, so we'll speak freely. And then they said, if it is so that you throw us into the furnace, it's a small thing for our God to deliver us from it and out of your hand. But if it is not so that you throw us into the furnace, rest assured, we will never serve your gods or worship your golden image. They were not saying, but if our God does not deliver us from the fire. They were giving the king a second chance and saying, you cannot harm us and we will not serve your gods. Now, how many times have we heard this taught that God could choose to deliver them, but he may just choose to let them burn? See, their, their hope, as described in the, in the Bible, is a confident expectation of good. These boys had hope. And the, the faith that was attached to their hope was guaranteed to deliver them. The more we can get this settled in our own hearts, the sooner we can see the goodness of God manifesting in our physical circumstances. What do you think it is that gives us boldness when people in a pagan and wicked culture try to force us into doing things that go against the kingdom of God. We say, you can't touch us. You can't harm us. And we don't have any fear. We have love. We can even offer them deliverance. Now, I realize that this is a different interpretation than you probably have ever heard. But does it not more clearly show the heart of God to be our deliverer? Jesus is a good shepherd. He will lead us into good if we will only learn to listen to his voice and obey him without question. The only thing keeping you from this deliverance is your unbelief. It's the same with me. If I'm not finding this deliverance in my life, I have to look and I have to say, God, where is my unbelief? Help me. Help me because I want to believe. Now, I want to read uh, Psalm 23 and I want to read it in the Passion Translation. Now, you can read it in all kinds of translations, and it's amazing, but this is just a, a really good way to hear the heart of God, again, as spoken by David. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. 
I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. David is confident in the goodness of God and that his shepherd will lead him only into good circumstances. Now, when he finds himself in a valley of death, he still fears no evil because he is protected from the death. He is protected from the valley of death and he is led out of it. See, even if you're, you're, you feel led through the valley of the shadow of death, you are not led there to suffer death. He leads you through it and out of it. He even prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. There's a feast. Now, I want you to ask yourself these questions and then meditate on your answers the rest of this week. What is your expectation about God? What is your expectation about your, what you will receive from him? Is he your good shepherd? Do you know his voice? Thank you so much for joining me again today. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.